Welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast by Enterprise DNA. This is a podcast which dives into a range of different ideas and tips to empowering a data-led culture within organizations. We want you to develop the analytic mind to create immense value for yourself and your teams. Welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast. Today I'm with Pascal Keeper and really excited to introduce the audience to Pascal. He's been working alongside Enterprise DNA for a little while now, running some content for us and also partnering with us with some of our customers. So it brings a lot of experience across all aspects of Power BI and also runs his own business at the same time. So keen to jump into our discussion, but why don't I uh, just throw it over to you, Pascal, to kick things off, maybe just expand on my intro and let everyone in on what you've done historically and, and what you're doing now. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sam, for having me. I'm Pascal. You know, the pronunciation of my name, some call it Pascal, Pascal, it doesn't really matter. We're using, <laughs> we're working with clients yeah. from all over the world. So yeah. I'm based in Switzerland. It's a French name, might be confusing to some people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, I'm running BI Samurai and K-Team Solutions um, based in Switzerland. Our main focus is anything that has to do with Power BI and the the Power Platform. I basically come from a finance background, let's say. So I used to work in financial controlling for many years, on and off, because I also liked traveling. So, you know, always after a couple of years, I went, had a break and went traveling again and came back and worked in, in controlling. And then I was involved in quite a big project where SAP, BW, and BPC was implemented for the company I worked for. And I was asked to basically look over this project and be a, quite an important person probably in this project. And I always had like this IT, I always wanted to work with IT and, and computers and stuff. So Working in an IT implementation project for me was um, was a big change, but also I really enjoyed it. And SAP implementation, always big projects, you know, um, lots of people involved. And in that phase, I realized, you know, that's more what I want to do. I don't really only want to deal with numbers in Excel and finance. And, you know, I want to dig deeper into the data and the numbers and the systems as well. So that's when I decided to open up my own company. And that actually happened um, six years ago. So in March, it was six years ago when I opened Cake Team Solutions. So I quit my job and opened a company. And I think now looking back, I what I'm doing right now is not what I planned to do back then. But I started the company and um, straight away, I got the very first project that was very good to get to know. Um, how to run a company and all this. And then things just started evolving. You know, I quickly learned that as a one-man show, which I was back then, it's impossible to do SAP projects because SAP is always huge and super expensive projects where you need a team to actually work on. And then I learned about Power BI. And then it was quite an easy decision. You know, I played around with it. I liked it. I probably wasn't too bad at it straight away. So I decided to put more effort into that. And ever since I'm doing Power BI projects, and 
I'm not alone anymore. We're a group of people now. So this is more or less my background and how I came to what I'm doing right now. It's nice. One thing that's resonated with me is that right now you're you're not really doing what you set out to do. And I would have to say that I was exactly the same. I think when I set up Enterprise DNA, I honestly did not even have a business plan. I just knew that Power BI was going to be incredibly popular because of how good it was and because they had Microsoft's backing and a whole range of other things. And I just thought that if you were in the space early, like something, you would figure it out. You were just, you had, sort of had your ear to the ground. There would be plenty of opportunities and it would just be about figuring out like what was the one that best suited you. Exactly. I think it's a lot of learning by doing. You find a new tool, you learn it. That's also one thing I learned, you know, you don't need to be a pro before you start selling a service. If yeah. somebody's interested in, in one of your services, you need to be confident that you can learn it in time. But, you know, if a client approaches you and said, I mean, the very beginning, I wasn't a Power BI Pro, but clients would come in and say, you know, can you implement this report for us? I was like, yes, of course I can. Which also meant a lot of hours spent learning the tool while actually implementing it. So it means, you know, a lot of hours at night that you cannot ever build to anyone. But this is really what I thought is the best way to learn in real life situations with real data, with real clients. And then I learned it quite quickly and I'm still learning. I mean, you know, how it is. there's always new stuff coming out. So you're never pro in every single aspect, but mm. the learning curve was quite steep in the beginning. Yeah. No, look, I can't agree with that more. I mean, I was, I was shocked at some of the learnings that I, I would have. One of the biggest learnings that I had when I started out with Power BI I came into it quite fresh faced because I was from finance like yourself. I was good at Excel and then I saw Power BI and I saw how good it was and I played around with it. I've tried to get really good really fast. But then when you try, the biggest learning for me was that when you actually were starting to try sell Power BI as a tool within organizations, you realize that the data in behind the scenes was just an absolute mess. And that was that became like a bigger part of your project than actually like doing anything inside of Power BI. And that was, you never know that unless you're actually out there, you know, um, hitting the pavements and talking to customers and, and getting involved in some, some projects. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I also went to one of these Microsoft dashboard in a days. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's easy. You know, they give you the sample data, the demo data, and they show you how to create a report. And after a day, you really have like a report. Like, so if that's really, if it's that easy, why isn't everybody just using Power BI? But yeah, yeah. that's the sample data that made it easy. Yeah, um, that's right. That's right. There's never, there's never data that is not messy. In, yeah. in a real company scenario, there's always a lot more data. There's different sources. There is old data, migrated data, different stuff that needs to be merged. And yeah, there's a lot of cleaning up to, to be done before actually doing that. And I also realized, because we're doing quite many sort of projects where we are not implementing from scratch, but we are hired later on once the, after the company has used Power BI for a couple of months or years, when they realize, you know, maybe we need somebody a bit more professional to look over what we did in the last years. And yeah. then you see how, messy things can get if you just let everybody that probably did one of these dashboard in a days and also thought oh that's easy 
if you let all these people just create reports the way they want and publish it and without any governance. It's interesting projects, but it's also a challenge to, to clean up after yeah, yeah. a group of people have started working with it. Yeah, that's been a big trend that I've been seeing in pretty much every conversation that I've been having lately with customers and potential customers. Is It's almost like everyone's doing a bit of a backtrack. It's that you know, the actual Power BI experience for a consumer and within the online service has become so jumbled and there's no consistency. There's a lot more sort of strategy and planning that needs to happen in a lot of cases to have a, a really successful long-term deployment of Power BI. Yeah, I think that's really also what we see coming in now. Now that I think about it, the last couple of projects that came in were always about that sort of topic yeah. where the main goal wasn't about implementing governance and creating rules and all that, but well, that needs to be done, but first the cleanup needs to be done. So um, yeah. yeah, I mean, self-service BI, right? That's one of these terms, which I don't know, but does it really mean that everybody can do whatever they want, maybe that's what companies understand and they just can't leave their complete Power BI tenant open for everyone to use and they hand out licenses and, you know, nobody cares. I just had a meeting with a client where we looked at the Power BI admin settings because that's one of the things I like to do in a big organization. You need to make sure that the settings are, there's not right or wrong, but some settings are should be kept a bit restrictive. For example, you know, they're published to web. Yeah. If you know what you're doing, good setting. If you don't know what you're doing, very dangerous setting because you can really publish everything. So it looked like they, they weren't sure what this setting was really doing. So it was kept on for the entire organization. So we mm. saw that I think it was 510 reports that were really public. Right. And it's like, okay, so that needs to be cleaned up. We need to start working with authorizations and manage groups and give user access and not give everyone on the internet technically access to this URL if they know the URL. Yeah. So yeah, that's really a trend I saw that cleaning up is a thing that a lot of people, a lot of companies want to do. Yeah. Some of the big things that I'm seeing and be interesting to get your thoughts on it is that some new needs have been popping up a lot. Like one of the big ones is architecting Power BI, like how to actually architect your deployment, how to set up workspaces, how to set up apps, how to set up security measures, all of those things that you just mentioned even before. That's one. And then the other one is standardization of design, like a design system for all of your reports so that Everyone is creating reports that look the same, with the same fonts, same themes, and can be created much, much more quickly because you're not having to do a lot of that boring updating of visualizations. And, and yes, it maybe holds back people's creativity a little bit, but it creates a much more effective deployment of Power BI. There's no sort of doubt in my mind about that. So when it comes to standardization of the, the report design and visualization itself, there, I would say we really follow certain rules and we really, if the clients, of course, want that, we really try to follow IBCS. So the International Business Communication Standards to develop reports because, well, simply because these rules or these standards simply makes a lot of sense. 
to have standardized reports following a certain set of rules. Of course, we we've been I've been working with the CPI custom visuals for many years. I started working with their Excel add-in now the Power BI visuals, which of course help a lot to actually do this. So when it comes to report design, this is always my first sample report that I show to a client. You know, mm. this is sort of the report that I would like to build for you. I would give them one of the sample reports and say, you know, click through. I'll show you how this is done, you know, how it works and where to click, what functionality there is. And most people just love it. You know, they say that makes more sense than my pie or donut chart or, you know, it just makes sense. It's easier to yeah. read. It's also easier to develop. So when it comes to the repo design, I think that's an easy choice. That's that's what I do. When it comes to the overall design of which workspace and when to use an app and how to do, um, I don't know, give access rights and work with active directory groups instead of single people and stuff. There, I still have it sort of in my mind. There's not really something that you can show, or at least I'm not really showing. There's not a slide that I can show. This is how I could do it. I do have this one slide from the, the Microsoft Power BI implementation white paper, where they basically just show the a landscape where you have, you know, your your data sources, your Power BI desktop, and then your the service. And I use this one slide to explain sort of how things can be set up and when to use a workspace and when to use an app. But it's one of these things I would like to improve to also, you know, have something to hand out to people so they could really also think about it and maybe come back with ideas and possible setup of um, a number of workspaces. But as of now, this is still ad hoc, very different in, in every project. Yeah, like I don't disagree there. I mean, there is no one setting that you can have, but I definitely feel like there's an overall framework that you can, from what I've learned and seen, is that there's a framework you can apply to the online service, particularly when you take into account workspaces and then then within that data sets and data flows yeah and then you know and then how a workspace rolls up to an app and yeah and then so your workspace how you set out your workspaces is, is just a bit of pre-planning can just make such a big difference to your whole architecture of how you actually create your power bi reports yeah no absolutely and, and this is really what we do we work a lot with um data flows so we basically have you know a, a data workspace that only contains data flows first and then maybe have a central data set and then have all the workspaces that are needed. Of course, everybody's still fighting with this restriction of only having one app per workspace. And I think this will actually change quite soon. I know it's in the pipeline and they're planning to change that. So um, that will be nice when when this is possible. But yes, in general, this is what we do with data workspace and then the workspaces for the different. It really depends, right? Does it need to be per topic, per department? Per It just really depends yeah. on the size of the client, what they need and who should have access and all that. But yeah, we also really keep workspaces restricted because it's a workspace. So, and I see that a lot. A lot of companies don't use apps. 
they don't, they simply don't create the report apps. They give access to workspaces, which is not really, which is not really the main goal, right? It's only the people that should work with it. And then when they see, when they see apps, they realize, oh, that's easier. That's easy to find. And that's easier to navigate if it, if they're set up correctly. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's so true, so true. So, what um, like in dealing with your your customers, what are some interesting insights that you've gathered from customers? Say ones you've enjoyed working with, where you feel like you've done some great work with them. What are some of the attributes of those customers and what they are doing and and planning out with Power BI? So, we're dealing with customers of all sizes and all industries across the world. So it's, yeah. um, it's hard to give you one answer to that, but I have, a, I have a couple of specific clients in my mind. And these, the ones I have in my mind right now, when you ask these questions are, are the smaller ones, because the smaller ones there, it means we really deal with uh, maybe the CEO, because you know it's maybe the founder of a company that grew over time. And also they had different systems over time and we get back to the messy data so in the beginning you know it was easy for the ceo to just know what's going on by logging into their system but after a while after a couple of years and the company growing it gets very hard to actually keep track of how your own company is going and these are the projects that i think with little effort you have a lot of benefit because you really work with the the main person of the company and then you, you you create a report for them where they get back to the point where they just log in in the morning they open up one report and they see exactly you know what's going on with my company and i, yeah. I enjoy doing these projects because you know there you really you talk to the right person um, you talk really to the person that knows what they want to see and they really also know the benefit. They can really take this report and talk to their employees and, you know, this is going good, this is not going good. They know what they need to do. So we you can really create actionable reports. So these are some of the nice stories, but also, you know, for the bigger clients, of course, it's a different, it's a different story because you need to deal with... Uh, bigger range of people and maybe you only look at one small bit of a company one specific topic mm. one specific report and sometimes what i think is i would really like to be able to dig in more because if you see that one of the reports the one you're appointed to optimize or change or create is based on a, on a data model, which is not the way it should be. Yeah, of course, you know, you can still build a nice looking report for them or a, not only nice looking, but actually a good report for them. But still in the back of your head, you know that the other 200 reports that they're using, they probably also should be redone. Mm. But you're just appointed for this one specific one. And then sometimes, you know, they, they're just happy with what you did. And you don't actually get into there because big companies, they probably have um, not only one company helping them with Power BI, they maybe have others. So it's a bit it's a bit hard to, to get into that. But it would yeah. be helpful for them. Yeah. 
so it's, it's almost like the smaller ones you can sort of feel the difference that you're making a lot more yeah you know straight away and also you know i always show them how to access the the usage report so um, i just had a call yesterday with a client that i haven't heard from for maybe three or four months so they've used the report and he always writes down, you know, additional stuff that he would like to see. And then he calls me up and says, you know, I have additional requirements. And then we look at the usage report together. And you can see that everybody that is that is assigned to the report is using it nearly every day. And that's great. You know, then you really know that's really something that people are using. And these are yeah. that's that's where you feel, okay, that's that was a good job we did. It's something yeah, that's not really only cool. not only from time to time they maybe open up the report because they don't have anything else to do. They they use this as a tool to do their job better. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really cool. That's really cool. It's it's almost like you can almost feel like you've built a, a piece of software, an application that people are you know returning to to get their job done. It's quite quite satisfying, isn't it? Exactly, and I I think it also has a lot to do with um, how you gather requirements. Mm. So, you know, you really need to follow the thought process of the people that look at the report. So what would they do next? The, the main goal is for me that they, they don't need, they don't see a number there and then they they jump into their CRM or into their ERP to look up the details. So if they see something, I need to know, okay, so you see this and it, it's red because it's below budget or whatever. What would you do next? And then if the answer is, oh, now I would take this number and I go to ERP and, you know, type in this code and then get the details. I was like, no, let's, let's stop doing that. Let's get this data into the data model as well and work with drill throughs. We can do drill throughs. If you have a number, you want to get the details from now on, you right click drill through and you have the details within the report. So that's really, for me, it's a lot about how to, yeah, get the requirements. You need to guide people through their own thought process. You need to understand what they do, why they do it, and then build this into, into the report. So yeah, then it's sort of like one application that can answer not only the big question, is the company doing good or bad, but really drill down into the details and find specific and detailed answers to whatever questions they might have yeah yeah and i think i get really excited about what you can actually do when you expand that across the, the entire power platform so i'm not sure if you've done too much around that as well but you know just the ability to to really build these custom applications which span grabbing data analyzing it and then actions automated actions off the back of it it's pretty exciting what you can actually achieve. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes I only show, you know, one small thing, which is the, the what is it called? The alerts, right? So the subscription, the, the, what is it called? Data alerts or threshold? I'm not sure. So you set an alert on a, on a, on a card and then there's so much you can do with Power Automate. You, you don't simply just trigger an email and say, alert something was reached, like you really trigger yeah. something. And that's a simple example, but it, it also gets people to think, okay, so what other daily task or weekly or monthly do I have, which I don't really like doing. And I was just creating a power automate, actually power automate desktop solution yesterday. 
for a client that had a requirement to, they had the report ready in Power BI Desktop and they had um, a slicer with, I think, a, a thousand something elements and they wanted to loop through this slicer and print every page as a PDF. So you could do this manually, select the first element, print, select the second, print a thousand elements, you know, quite a lot of work and there, there's a lot of room for human errors if you do that. So, so yeah, we, we just built this Power Automate desktop solution that actually now does this. So click of a button, we create a thousand PDFs. This is so a little, cool. yeah, normally I think there's, maybe there's a little, you know, how do you call it? Um, maybe a uh, mistake or an error or, or a missing um, on a Microsoft site, I think, because they want you to use premium to do this. Um, uh, right. So it actually yeah. shouldn't work, but there's a little thing you can still do to, to get this to work. Right, right. Yeah, I had to play around with that idea myself like a few months ago. I found, I, I honestly found Power Automate Desktop a little bit tricky. I would say that they need to improve, you know, particularly the error handling and just like the, just the general errors that they throw up, which actually don't explain anything that's going wrong. But I haven't used it for maybe six months, so maybe they have improved it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I agree. I also prefer Power Automate online, but for this specific right. case, we simply needed to use the desktop that's version. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And what are, um, just just to, just to deviate a little bit. What are some of the just general trends within Power BI that you've really liked in recent times? And also maybe if you've got a bit of foresight, what, what do you think are some of the exciting things on, on the horizon for Power BI as the changes keep coming? Well, about trends, I'm not sure. Huh? I think Power BI itself is still trending. So I, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't know if there's a specific thing that I could say, no, this is not trending, but we still work with clients that are not using Power BI at all. So I think mm. it's still maybe with our clients in the, well, now that I think about it, it's also maybe depends on the location. So our US-based clients, they already use it mostly and we improve it. But then there is Swiss-based companies that are still doing things in Excel and whatever other tools and that really haven't jumped on Power BI yet for different reasons. Sometimes maybe they think it's they don't need it because it's not actually that much data they have. I don't think that's really a reason because also... You know, it just makes your life easier. It, you don't need to have big data. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's, it's still in, in general, still, still a trend. So starting with it and then with companies that are already using it, it's really the, the cleaning it up. So maybe now it's the time that it's been out there for six years or something now. So, and, and people have maybe started using it three or four years ago, mostly. So maybe now it's really time for consolidation and, and, and cleaning up. So maybe that yeah. would be one of the trends that's currently happening. Opti optimization is, is optimization, something that I use occasionally, yeah. Or also maybe, you know, companies that started with 
CSV or Excel exports. And it worked fine for a couple of years, maybe, but now realization that, you know, now it's time. We like the tool, we like the reports, and why don't we now do this fully integrated? So now why don't we say, you know, we um, the Excel stuff worked fine, um, but maybe it's time we see the potential and the future. This is not going to go away. Yeah. Yeah, will, will, you know, it, it will stay. So why don't we just do the whole data warehousing stuff uh, as well? So that's I think, yeah, also right. a trend. But it also is part of optimization, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I keep going. Um, like one of the big, I'm interested to get your view on this, but um, one of the big things that that I've seen is that as Power BI has matured and a lot more enterprise features have been implemented into it, I feel like the maturity of a company's strategy around Power BI has has had to keep up and has maybe lagged quite a lot. And the sort of strategy piece of, of how you actually deploy an overall implementation of Power BI has become more relevant than it has ever before. And I think, you know, just when something new sort of starts out, you don't sort of have the playbook sort of just sitting there ready to, you know, ready to read and ready to utilize in your business, right? Like six years ago, most of the information on Power BI and was basically, it was all about DAX. Like DAX was the only thing that mattered with Power BI, right? But now it's matured. There's a lot of new, there's a lot of enterprise features that were always re- have been requested for years. And now you know, a lot of people are realizing, okay, well, yeah, it's actually not about formulas and DAX that as, mu- as much as, okay, well, what's the overall strategy of how we, how we do this across 50 to 100 people? How do we get out all of our consumers literate on, on uh, understanding how and what they're viewing? You know, it's sort of more those sort of things which I'm having personally a lot more discussions about, but I, but it's, it's also become more just relevant because of what's been going on with the product. Yeah, I think there's these enterprise features that you call. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in addition to Power BI that you could implement. You could do or within Power BI, you could use the deployment pipelines. You can use DevOps for deployment and and version tracking. You can have all these external tools. You can teach people DAX Studio and Tabular Editor, and and you could work with them. I don't know Synapse Analytics and all of that. So if you could, you could of course take all these tools and say, no, we actually going to implement all this for you. Mm. But I don't know if that makes sense because then you have a massive environment. It also means a lot of internal know-how after the project. So for me, it really depends on. How many people does the client actually have to keep working on it, keep improving it? If it's only one or two people in IT, there's no need to have have set up something that you might think, you know, it's cool to do. It's cool to use DevOps to track and deploy. Yeah, that's nice. But do you really need that if you only have a small IT department and two people that could just keep track of versions in in SharePoint, basically different PBX versions. So when it comes to enterprise features, I would say it depends on the size of the company, how much internal manpower they, they like to dedicate to keep track of the entire Power BI environment. Yeah. So start with less probably. Mm-hmm. 
And once they grow, you know, and see, you know, this specific thing now becomes a problem. For example, too many reports, difficult to keep track of versions, solve this specific issue and not deploy all the cool stuff from the beginning. And then people forget how to use it. Sometimes you can, you could overkill a system or an environment and infrastructure as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, good points, good points. One of the other things that's matured quite a lot is the custom visuals. And I know that you've built a, a really awesome custom visual. So it'd be cool to dig into that a little bit. What's set you on the path to create your own visual? And <laughs> yeah. what was the sort of process around creating it? And, and also do a bit of a plug-in, tell everyone like what it actually does and so, how, they, how they can use it. So we actually have a couple of custom visuals in, in AppSource. We have three of them, but I know the ones you're talking about it's the ones that we also promote because there's yeah. a lot of potential. So basically we promote a lot the HTML text styler and the HTML CSS viewer. What they can do is, well, they can render HTML and CSS. Basically that's the, the standard that is used to build websites. And if you think of all the websites you've seen in your life, they all look very different with cool effects and different designs and embedded pictures and videos and GIFs and moving text. And I don't know, there's so many things that you can see on a website. And our custom visuals can simply display all this within a report. But you can also then link it to the data from your data model to make it dynamic. So it would display values from your data set and it would change depending on your filter selection and all this. But the main idea was, or why it was actually developed was because the smart narrative didn't exist back then. So there was simply no way to have formatted text in Power BI that is also linked to the data. So you could either have maybe a card visual and have dynamic text, but there's no way to format it. So you couldn't highlight something bold or green or I don't know. And the other way was to do just a text box, but then you could format, but it was just hard coded text. And one of the things that really makes a report better is comments. So not everybody looking at the report is a data person and, you know, they might be overwhelmed with all these charts and tables and graphs and all that. So why don't you have just the main message on top of the report? Net result plus five above budget. And then the plus five above, you've colored this in green because it's a positive deviation. So that was the main idea. And it, there was simply no way. So with HTML, of course, you, you can do that. We can incorporate DAX, make it dynamic and use different styling to make it green or red or bold or any, any other formatting that you could think of. That was the main idea. That's also why the visual is actually called, the first one is called HTML text styler. It contains the word text in the name because that was the initial thought, but there's much more now. We're, we're still using it for text because I still think it's, well, I don't know if I want to use the word better, but for me, it's still better than the smart narrative because you can, you, you're the one that the human is the one defining what, what's shown. 
The smart narrative mm -hmm. might be smart, but sometimes AI is just doesn't show what you actually want want to see. Um, yeah, right. So, and now we were using it for for tables, for images, for embedded videos and gifs and and all sorts of stuff. So, because there's always this. It's also one thing I realized there's requirements that you can simply not do with native functionality. So a very specific looking card or a very specific looking table or also an, an image which is dynamic. Yeah. And with our visuals, it's quite simple to do. And it's also fun to do. I think it can it can be a bit overwhelming in the beginning because the visual itself, it doesn't have, you know, the the field well, so you can just drop in your columns and measures. You really right. need to teach the visual what it should do. So it always contains quite a lot of DAX HTML, but this is also why we try to put out content, you know, and videos to really explain um, the users how to use it. So yeah. And how did you, how did you, when you decided that you wanted to create a custom visual, where did you start? Like, where did you actually get any material on learning how to do it? And then what was the process? <laughs> yeah, there, there is not much material. <laughs> so it, and there's still not much material. Well, I don't know how it is now, but I don't think, oh, there's not a lot for sure. So I don't know what comes up if you type in cost, probably a custom visuals in, in, in YouTube. I mean, you probably get explanations of like, probably some of my videos where I explain an existing visual, but I'm not sure if there's a lot about how to develop the only reliable or real source services of course the the microsoft documentation on the the developers page where you can you can see how how things are done but luckily you know i i work with them i have a development team that is that is taking care of of most of the of the implementation but yeah it's not an easy thing to to find reliable sources also we know that the power bi community is great if you have a question you get your question answered if you have a question about the development of a custom visual yeah you can try to post your question in the community but there's simply not that many people that are capable of answering your question so what we normally do if really we struggle with something is contacting Microsoft directly. We know the people that work in the in the custom visuals team and you can you can reach out to them directly and then they help you out. Right. Well, that's good. That's so Microsoft good. itself is the source of information. Right. And do you do you find are you charging for that at all or are you just giving it out for free to the community and using it within your own project? We, we charge for the visuals. I think we have quite cheap pricing, I would say. And the main reason why we charge is because, again, the visuals can do so much and we add, we include free support in the subscription. And that just adds a lot of work. Yeah. And that's bas basically, this is what people pay for. So there's a little fee on, on the visual, but also, you know, we like to really have a visual that we keep improving. So there's um, new versions coming out all the time. And, and in order to do that, to, to basically finance the, the ongoing development, 
there needs to be a little a little money in, in the bank to do that. But yeah. Yeah. The main thing I think the important thing to know about the our pricing is that because the additional workload for support we really get from the developers. So you only pay per developer. You can have um, 100,000 read-only users. You know, I don't care. These you, you get these for free, but um, you pay a little fee for the per developer per year. Yeah, right, right. And so, what a. Well, I guess we can we can get into some some final questions here. What are what are some other interesting projects that you've worked on in Power BI? Over six years, you've probably done a lot. So, what are some? Has there been some really interesting ones that you know everyone would be wowed by, or uh, would be interested in learning more about? <laughs> so, what's the most interesting project we worked on? <laughs> Hard to tell. I guess for me, always the ones interesting are the ones which contain different elements of the power platform or different tools. So where you not only set up Power BI on top of something, but really the ones where you, you're in charge of, of, of different, of the data warehouse, of the report, of the maybe a power app integration, and then maybe also power automate that then triggers a specific flow. So really when you do the entire environment for me, these are, the projects, of course, where we can just simply achieve the most when clients say, you know, clients are open-minded and say, okay, so okay, you showed us this demo app. We actually had an idea, whatever this might be. Can you also incorporate this power app into our report? Because we think, you know, this might really make life easier. So the reports or the projects that really make life easier for me, I think, are the the most interesting ones where you get people away from sending Excel files via email with a simple app or, yeah, it depend, depends on what exactly they need, but solving small business problems that are just using a lot of time. I think these are the most rewarding ones because you, you, you know, you implement for half a day or a day, and then people save time on a daily or on a weekly basis. Yeah. I've come up with a name for that. I call them enterprise apps because they're sort of combining all of the different attributes of what like a software app would have, but you're using sort of more low code type toolings that are very much integrated into the, the software that people are already using, like the Microsoft suite, for example. So that's sort of how I like to, I think of them or imagine them in my mind as these enterprise-wide apps. Yeah, there's a lot you can do. If you just have, um, there's a lot of ideas. I'm also trying to, you know, spend more time in creating these sort of, um, you call it enterprise apps. I don't have a specific name for it yet, but we try to really create samples as well. I think it's easier for people to see what can be done if you show them a sample, it can be a completely different use case. It doesn't matter, you know, you have a simple use case that you can show and it just might inspire people, you know, that's that's important. They need to really look at your presentation and then think about what they're doing on a daily or weekly or whatever basis and 
and just you know mention this to you they come back to you and say so i've seen your presentation with this power app and actually i have this or with power automate and actually have this task that i do regularly is this something that you could help me with and in most cases there is maybe you cannot automatize the full process but in most cases with little effort you can really help make life easier for people you can improve things like immeasurably really like you know if you think about someone just think about years ago when you wanted to create a a report on anything you know you'd have to go and get all the data and then you have to do every formula in excel and your spreadsheet would probably crash and then you'd have to get all your elements into a powerpoint presentation I mean, even just that, I mean, like you're five to 10 X and what you can actually achieve on a day-to-day basis, like the actual output of your role or of your job and you know, of your team. So, I mean, and, and then when you layer on the ways that you can automate tasks off the back of that, I mean, it's just, it's just phenomenal what you can do. And look, we, I, we're not even scratching the surface of, of, of all of these apps that can be done, right? I mean, these technologies are still so, you know, there's, there's still a long way to go to, to, for them to, reach the, the amount of people that they'll ultimately reach who can use them. There's, there's really no doubt in my mind on that. I mean, particularly power apps and power automate. They're, they're way behind. Exactly. I mean, if you look at the content that is released on online, on YouTube and stuff, people have really have great ideas and they're using this for fantastic, fantastic things. So um, mm-hmm. just by watching some of these videos, people get inspired. And I, I really like the fact that, you know, this... It's not only the Power BI, it's the Power Platform community. That's just that's just great. A lot of great content and there's a continuous flow of great content. So um, even for us, you know, we're working with these tools on a daily basis. Um, there's a lot to learn from, from yeah, the rest of the community. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I wish, and I wish you, there was more time to dig into more of that and, you know, just play around with it and create samples. But, yeah. You know how it is. Yeah, oh, tell me about it. Some, you know, I, I really enjoyed the days where I was just a full-on learner and I was just learning about <laughs> Power BI and, yeah. and, and trying to master Power BI and, and then years into it and then you realize, okay, well, now, now I, I don't have much time for learning. I'm just like trying to run a business now. <laughs> yes. it's, it's, yeah, it's sort of I, like yeah. a, trans, it's a real transition. And then getting your head back in the game to go and learn and master other tools and is you you fight you, you struggle to, to to find the headspace or all the all the time for it really because um you know the other the other side of your life is so much is so so much busier exactly the same thing it's, it, yeah. it's not a it's not a complaint at all it's just it's just a no, natural no. evolution of, of of the way things uh the way things go yeah and there's always the the nights and the weekends right <laughs> well there was until until uh, until until children arrived and then the week the weekends okay. are now um, also child, gone. child child care and trying trying to catch up on some sleep, <laughs> which which doesn't really usually work out that way. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, why don't we? Uh, I really enjoyed our chat. Is there any final thoughts? Like final thoughts about ways people can find you and some interesting things that you've got on the horizon? You might maybe want to let people in on. So I can be found, or we can be found on bisamurai.com or kteam.ch. So now people might ask, you know, why is there different names and is it two different companies? That's um, it's a long story. We don't, we're not going to go into that in details, but basically Kate Team is the official company and BI Samurai is just 
a brand sort of of it. But we're we're thinking about making a, a change there to make it easier. So BI summarize where I can be found. What's on the horizon? You know, there is a lot of ideas. There's nothing I can share here. I guess we'll just continue with our projects, but we have a lot of internal projects where, you know, we, as I said, want to prepare samples and demos and, and, and also template reports that then can be easily used by other companies. So, right. Yeah. And of course, with the custom visuals, there's a lot of ideas. Um, I actually just had an, an in-person Power BI meetup last week where I presented how to do a spe very specific Excel-like table in Power BI. And always after these meetups, you know, people come up and that's also where I can collect ideas. So, you know, as one of the people watching came up with an idea, I was like, that would actually be a great addition to the visual. It would open up many more doors and possibilities. So now we, again, more ideas in the backlog, um, not really more time to do it, but there's a lot to come. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I have no doubt that uh, we are sitting now, there's so many opportunities still out there, right? And so many different assets, uh, so many different areas, sorry, you know, Power BI um, deployments and um your power platform implementations is just so many it's, opportunities isn't it? it's exciting i'm looking forward to it i think you know the this the stream of new features will keep going yeah so we'll we'll need to keep learning we'll need to keep on 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 track to be really on on top of our game so that's exciting so we know for a fact that we the business we're in is still improving and the tools are becoming better so there's a lot of new stuff to come even if you look at the, the power bi roadmap the features that microsoft list that will come out in the in the next couple of months it's great stuff happening yeah that's awesome i like to think of it uh, like uh, we're riding a wave we're riding we're riding a wave which which honestly could could keep going for the next 10 15 years based on based on what's happening you know based on the trends and also the speed of that 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 trend that adoption that we've um, we've seen over the last 5 to 6 years i mean there's just there's so still so much more more growth which is you know good for us obviously very good for for, for microsoft as well <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, no, not not like not like they need any more money. I was uh, <laughs> I was I was actually I saw that they were they were doing a price hike on on our Office three sixty five subscription, and I and I and I couldn't believe I couldn't believe that they'd do a price hike so much. And then I went and just checked out their profits, and I and I saw how healthy they were, and and I uh, recognized I, I started to look at I started to look at Microsoft more like a government tax taxing everyone, taxing us more. Yeah, you know, the pricing, I think for some things, um, some things are super cheap, I think. When it yeah. comes to the license, some things are super cheap. What we pay for for our Azure subscriptions, for example, and what you get for it, I think, extremely cheap. Yeah. Power BI Pro, extremely cheap for what you get. Mm. Office 365, I'm also not entirely sure if, that, yeah. if I would call that super cheap because... There maybe we just see less improvements. Maybe for Power BI, we know exactly you know how much they work on it. For I don't know, I, I don't use PowerPoint, so I could get that out of my subscription. 
Um, yeah, true. I'll use true. Word. I use bundle, Excel and Outlook and Teams, and that I'd be happy yeah. with that. Yeah, they they, they set up something. Well, I would still say I would still say it's it's. Um, I'm happy to pay um, subscriptions to Microsoft. What they provide is great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Pascal. Why don't we uh, why don't we round off? Thanks so much for um, being on on the podcast. Really enjoyed the chat. I mean, wishing you all the all the best with all of your endeavors. And thanks to all the listeners um, of the Analytic Mind podcast. I've um, really been enjoying getting back in the game with with some of the recordings and and um, and the guests. So thanks, thanks everyone for your support. And don't forget to subscribe on all of the um, usual channels out there. Um, and yeah, look, that's it. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, look forward to next time. Thanks, Pascal. Thank you very much for having me. Bye bye. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. It's great to be connected, and I hope you are enjoying the content we're creating through the Analytic Mind podcast. If you enjoyed this session, make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of each episode as we release them. If you want to learn more about Enterprise DNA and the many initiatives we're working on, check out www.enterprisedna.co. There, we have a range of resources to download events to attend, and information to explore. We're leading the charge around this new paradigm we're living in, where tools like Power BI can literally change how an organization manages, analyzes, and distributes insights that can make an impact. It's an exciting moment in the analytics space. So glad that you're on this journey with us. Take care.